There's an old song. I don't know if it's really that old, but there's an old song by, I think it's by Toby Mac, that says uh, that uh, when love is in the house, the house is packed, right? Uh, so uh, so it's awesome this morning, and uh, it's great to feel that. And uh, thanks, worship team, for just uh, just what you uh, let us in. And, yeah, I really hope they weren't just songs we sang, but they're really just things we believe and things we trust in. So I'm just going to try to bring things back with prayer. So uh, just try to, uh, yeah, this is quiet ourselves before the Lord. Father, we just thank you that we can come together this morning and celebrate the resurrection of your son Jesus. And, Lord, not only do we celebrate his resurrection, but we celebrate what you're doing among us here in 2017. And, God, we're excited to be alive. We're excited that you have seen fit to place us in Chambersburg. And, God, we just want to carry our, the torch in our generation well. So, Lord, in these next moments, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that Steve and I just wouldn't share words uh, that are our words, but we'll share your heart, Father, Father. So we give this time to you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday, and one of the verses that I read uh, here at Overflow was it said the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. The whole city was in an uproar, and I thought a little bit about how today, and somebody during testimony time mentioned it, it feels like things are a little bit of an, in an uproar, and I've entitled this morning Reality Check, and can you imagine the different reality checks that would have been going on? Can you imagine Pilate? Like he starts, you know, this guy, he's sentenced to death, and then he starts hearing, uh, oh, wow, he got stolen from his grave, or, oh, somebody else says he's alive. Or somebody else says, I oh, really didn't even die at all. And, there's, and can you imagine being disciples? I mean, you've been, Mary comes running and tells you that Jesus is alive. You're like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, we saw him dead and because didn't, they didn't understand yet the fact that he was to rise. And so there's, there are so many players in the first Easter story that would have had a lot of things uh, just, they would have wondered, what really is true? Like, can we know what is true? And so this morning I want us to have a little bit of a reality check. And i got a couple images up here I'm going to throw up are things that give us reality checks today. The first one is the scales. You know what? You, if you want a real reality check, just uh, you know, get out your scales. And a lot of us, including myself, don't like that reality at times. And so, but uh, and anyway, we won't go there. But uh, scales are a great reality check. Sometimes our monthly bank statement can be a reality check. Notice it's a little blurry, so it's not mine really, but uh, so it's off Google. But, uh, yeah, sometimes you think, oh, wow, I'm doing well, and then you get your monthly bank statement, and, you know, it might be read at the end or something, and so it's a reality check. Another one's a mirror. You know what? I don't know how, how many of you guys love to look in the mirror, but uh, that's just not my deal. Like, I try to stay away from mirrors. And so, um, but, uh, you know, mirror could be a great reality check. This one here is maybe a little more sobering, uh, a coffin. You know, we go through. Uh, line viewing lines, and we um, give our condolences and stuff. But every time that I walk pe- past a open coffin with somebody, it's, it's a reminder that someday I'm going to be right there, and uh, it causes me it just it sobers me up a little bit. And uh, the cool thing about this coffin is it's empty, and uh, just like the tomb of Jesus is empty, and so uh, we can ce- we celebrate that this morning. But there are different things in our lives that tend to be reality checks. Pastor Steve and I, as we were thinking about this morning, we wanted to leave you guys uh, with uh, just some thoughts. But our heart for both the spring and for overflow uh, is really 
found in Philippians 2 here, where Paul writes, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead. And as Steve and I were just talking about what we wanted to share this morning, and not even not even what we wanted to share this morning, but how we want to live our lives. Like, seriously, this isn't about a sermon for us this morning. It's how we live our lives. We try to every day. Do we always get it right? Absolutely not. But we want to live our lives experiencing the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And so him and I could stand up here and tell you story after story that's happened literally in the last month of how we're experiencing that power. But our heart is not just for us, the preachers, to experience that power. But we want every single one of you who name the name of Jesus to be walking and experiencing that same power. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you have your phones, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, so you can click on that. It's, that's why phones are so awesome, because you can just pick whatever one you want, and uh, you get it. But I'm going to read John 20, and I'm going to read verses 24 through 29. Starting in verse 24. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Now, just some background. This here is happening after Jesus rose from the dead. So this story is actually several days after Jesus had rose from the dead. So... I should have gave that first. One of the twelve, Thomas, was not with them when Jesus came. They told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand in the wounds in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, Jesus said. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. We read that many times, and we could even sort of throw rocks at Thomas for doubting. But I, I want to just submit to you this morning that Thomas had a reality check within a few days after Jesus rose from the dead. And so Jesus shows up with the other 12. If you read a few ver- verses earlier, Thomas isn't there. And Jesus appears to them, and Thomas is like, yeah, whatever. Thomas didn't believe at that point. And some of Thomas's reality was this. Thomas believed that good things happened to others, not to Thomas. I want you to think about how would you feel like if Jesus, like if you're one of the 12, and Jesus shows up to the other 11, or even 10 at that point, to the other 10, and you weren't there. Like that wouldn't be very cool. Like let's just be honest. That wouldn't be very cool. Jesus showed up and you're like, okay, why did these? And we know Thomas, if you go back earlier in John, in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus, we know that Thomas already was like a pessimistic guy because he just says, well, we might as well just go die with Jesus. Like he just figured it was, we're all going to die anyway, so let's just go do it, right? And so Thomas wasn't your most optimistic guy to start with. And so then Jesus shows up and he's not there. Why? He, I'm sure he asked why. So he showed up, he wasn't there. And it says, if, you're, if you read actually 
verses 19 through 20, it says, Jesus shows up. He says, peace be with you. It says, he showed them his wounds, and it says he breathed on them. Okay? So the other disciples were doubting at this point, too. We, we don't call them the other doubting ten. But they were doubting. But Jesus shows up, shows them the wounds, and then he breathes on them. And it says they received the Holy Spirit, and life went on for that, and really changed for them at that point. But Thomas wasn't there. Thomas's reality was that didn't happen to him. He didn't have those experiences. And so he's saying, basically, until I get something like that, I'm not going to believe. That was Thomas's reality. Thomas, Thomas doubted. Why wasn't I there? And you think about Thomas after they tell him that Jesus showed up. Why wasn't I there? Maybe I'm not quite as important as the other ones. Maybe... Maybe Jesus really don't like me. Maybe Jesus really didn't care about me. Oh, there would have been all these things that begin to go through. Just put yourself in Thomas's shoes. We read these stories many times, and we just roll right through them without even thinking about, like, these were real people, and they were having real experiences, and there's reasons they acted the way they acted or did the things they did. But Thomas doubted. But then it comes down through, and once again, the disciples are together. Thomas is with them, and then Jesus shows up. Or Thomas encountered Jesus. What's interesting, and we don't know, Jesus walks into that room again. And immediately, he focuses right on Thomas. It says that eight days later, the disciples were together again. This time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was there. Peace be with you. He gives them greetings. And then he said to Thomas. Jesus immediately looked right to Thomas and said, I need to reach out here. I need to draw Thomas to myself because Thomas needs to know a new, a different reality. Thomas needs to know that I am alive. And so Jesus not only says, hey, Thomas, here I am. He, it's like he knew. He's, he invited Thomas to touch the wounds. He invited Thomas to touch his body to let him know, hey, I really, it's really me. Like I died and now I'm alive. And so Thomas has this incredible one-on-one encounter with Jesus right in the middle of that room where it was just him and Jesus. And I think for all of us in here, I hope that many of you have already had that one-on-one encounter with him in the middle of a room. But you can be in the middle of a room like this and have a one-on-one encounter with Jesus. It's really powerful. It happens over and over again. Jesus wants to have a one-on-one encounter with you just like he did with Jesus. And Thomas, it says, Thomas believed. He says, my Lord and my God. Those are powerful words right there. Thomas didn't go, oh, wow, you're alive. No, he was, says, my Lord and my God. What he is really saying there is Jesus is God. That's why he says God. But he's, when he uses the word Lord, he's saying, I am submitting myself to your authority. I am submit. So Thomas encounters, and in that encounter, he says, I am going to submit myself now to your authority, and you're my God. What else do I do? What else do I do? And Jesus, Jesus accepted Thomas in that moment. And then if you go on and, and follow Thomas's life out a little bit, Thomas lived create courageously after that. So once Thomas understood this reality of the risen Lord, Thomas ended up being one of the disciples that traveled the furthest away from Jerusalem to share the gospel. If you know anything about the story of Thomas, Thomas ends up traveling to the country of India and sharing the gospel in India 
and establishing the first church there. In fact, if you go to India today, you can go to the cathedral where his remains still are supposedly today. But as, it, I, as I was studying for this, I found out before he went to India, he went to Babylon. And he actually established a church in Babylon, which has been on the way to India. If you, those of you who paid attention to geography class in high school, you know, on the way to, he established his church in Babylon. And so here you have this guy who we call the doubter. That's really how we, when we talk about Thomas, that's all we talk. But yet out of his doubt came this incredible belief that he was willing to take the reality that Jesus was alive and, and that Jesus was his Lord and take it really in a new way to the ends of the earth. And then we read the story about how he was actually even martyred in India. He was martyred in India because of Jesus. He was willing to allow himself uh, to, be, um, to be killed because of his belief in Jesus. My thoughts for us this morning, reality check 2017. That's a long time ago. We can read stories of a long time ago and say, yeah, that happened then, don't happen now. Reality check for us in 2017. How many of you would say that there are times in your life where, just like Thomas, you believe that good things happen to other people but not you? Yeah, let's just be honest. Everybody can probably raise their hands. Yeah, there are times, and I know some of you more better than I know others, that sometimes we begin to believe that, you know what, good things that God is doing, yeah, they're for somebody else. They're not for me. They're not for me. Maybe other people are experiencing healing miracles. I talked to several people in here this morning. We heard about several healing miracles, and that's awesome to hear that. But you may be sitting here and saying, you know what, you're, the story of the gentleman that had cancer and was healed, that's awesome. But, man, I got cancer. Where's mine? Why has it happened to him and not me? Maybe it's not cancer. Maybe it's something else. But we are so quick, just like Thomas, maybe your, maybe your marriage is or was on the rocks and somebody else's was restored and yours wasn't. You know what? It's easy to see that, and we, we see those kind of things. And why did it happen for them and not me? Like, it's so easy to ask those questions. Maybe you hear about people leading people to Jesus, and, and you're like, well... I followed Jesus for a long time. I've never led anybody, and I don't, not that I want to, but for some reason that other guy or gal always gets the opportunities, and I don't. What's wrong with, am I not good enough to do it? And so we begin to think that, and, and we begin to believe this lie. Maybe other people, my, my last one up here is financial breakthrough. Maybe somebody else in your life, family member, somebody else, you know, has this financial breakthrough, and you're like, man, I've been working hard for years. Where's mine at? Why does it always happen to somebody else? And there are a lot of us, I believe, who live in that place like Thomas did where we end up believing this lie, and Satan loves us, loves it when we get here, that we, our reality is that good things always happen to others. Secondly, we doubt. Just like Thomas, because of that, we doubt. Here are several things we doubt. First of all, we might even doubt the existence of God. Like some of you in here may just think that, eh, that's good for you, but I really don't believe God exists. I, I believe God exists, but you may say, I don't believe God exists. I've not seen him work. He's not healed me. He's not set me free. He's not done da-da-da-da-da, all these things. I don't think he exists. And there are a lot of people outside these four walls this morning living in Chambersburg who probably are pretty close to there. Mm -hmm. They don't believe God exists mm -hmm. because they've not encountered him. Mm -hmm. They've not encountered him. Maybe you doubt. Maybe you say, yeah, I believe God exists, but I don't think he's really that good. You know, you sing a song here. Uh, uh, I think you sing Good, Good Father here, Steve, mm -hmm. and it became a popular song in the last year. And every time we sing that song, I think about everyone who's sitting with me in the room, at least that I can, and I think about their experience with God. And there's a lot of people who, if they do sing that song, they're just mouthing words. 
because they've never understood God as a good, good father. So some of us doubt the goodness, of, just like Thomas did. Thomas, some of us doubt the goodness of God. Thank you. Some of us doubt our kingdom worth and value. Some of, some of you here this morning saying, oh, that's all wonderful and good, and God's doing things. It's awesome. I love to hear what he's doing, but I really don't have anything to give. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't have anything. Thomas, I believe, doubted his worth and value among the disciples. I just believe he did. It's one of the reasons he doubted. And so just like Thomas, many times, many times we doubt our kingdom worth and our kingdom value. Then just like Thomas, somewhere we encounter Jesus. Somewhere we will have a defining moment with Jesus. I don't care if you don't even believe in the existence of God. I will guarantee you before you die, you will encounter Jesus almost as real as Thomas did that day. He may not show up to you alive and in the flesh, but you will encounter him, encounter him in your spirit. You will encounter him maybe through somebody else. You will encounter Jesus, and you will have an opportunity, just like Thomas did, to believe. So Jesus focuses on us. He focuses on us. Sometimes we feel pretty small in the grand scheme of things, but Jesus chooses to focus on us, and then he invites us into relationship. Once again, there would have been this break in relationship with Jesus and all his disciples, and he slowly goes back and begins to repair those things. And Jesus invited all of them back into relationship. He didn't invite them back to heaven with him. That would have been kind of cool if he took them all back with him. Not for us, but for them. <laughs> but he didn't, do, he didn't do that, and he didn't, didn't come there and just say, oh, you need to bow to me, you need to do all. No. Jesus invited them into relationship with just like he invites every single one of you into relationship with him. And if you've not experienced that relationship, you're going to have an opportunity this morning to experience that. Uh, we're going to invite you to into uh, encountering Jesus in that way. Like Thomas, are we willing to believe without seeing? Hmm. Are you willing to believe without seeing? I've never seen Jesus alive and in the flesh. I have his word. I've encountered him in my spirit through his Holy Spirit. So I've not really seen. I've seen a lot of results of things of believing in him but I'm not Thomas says my Lord and my God too many of us say my Savior <coughs> yeah, stop right, right there and we wonder why we don't see this power of the resurrection released through us because we stop there it is a powerful thing that Jesus is our Savior he saves us from a lot of things but he invites us into a relationship that's a whole lot more than just a Savior my Lord, I am submitting myself to the authority of Jesus. Do you live your life submitted to the authority of Jesus? Do you recognize him as your God? We, like Thomas, have the opportunity to live confidently and courageously. It's called the kingdom. We read the story of Thomas and we see, wow, Thomas grasps the power of that resurrection. He grasps and began to understand the reality of what it meant that Jesus, yes, went to the cross, but now he lives. Now he lives. I call that here the kingdom now. And just like Thomas had an opportunity to impact the world because of him understanding the reality of the resurrection, we have that same opportunity to live confidently and courageously the kingdom now. It looks a whole lot different than it did 2,000 years ago. But it's fun. It's fun when we begin to understand the power that Jesus has. And so I challenge each one of you this morning to really begin, and Pastor Steve's going to come now, 
and share a few thoughts to really begin to ask yourselves, am I, where am I? Am I doubting? It's okay to doubt. I doubt some days. Am I, have I encountered him? Do I understand what it means to live in the power of that resurrection? Do I understand what it means that the kingdom is, yes, someday, but also it's right now? And Pastor Steve's going to take us into the next section. So this past Sunday night, <clears throat> we were praying for uh, one of our elders, Jamie. Jamie's been dealing with a number of physical things recently, a number of issues. And it struck me while we were praying, you know what? There's something different about the way we pray and the way the early church prayed. The way the early disciples prayed. There's something different. There's something missing about the way we pray. There's a profound something. If you read the, the book of Acts and you see in, the, in chapter 3, Peter healed a crippled man. You know how he did it? He reached out his hand and helped him get up. A crippled man who had never walked before reached out his hand and picked. That's confidence. That's confidence, right? In Acts chapter 5, it says the crowds would bring their sick and their demon-possessed, and it says all of them were healed. Not most of them. Not the ones that gave enough offering on Sunday mornings. Not the ones that were the elders in the church. All of them. Springers are probably getting tired of this joke, but you know the original Greek word for all? You know what it means? All. <laughs> I love to study Greek, and that's an easy one. All. All of them were healed. They did it with confidence. When they prayed for healing, they expected healing. When they prayed for someone to be delivered, they expected deliverance. Like it was a done deal. You know what? We struggle with that. We pray prayers like this. Well, Lord, if it's your will, please. But if it's not your will, give us the patience to trust you. And Don't we pray that way? Now, don't get me wrong. I want God's will to happen, right? I want his will to be done. But sometimes, this is a cop-out. Sorry, but it is. We pray kind of giving ourselves an out. Lord, we want you to heal Jamie, but if you don't, you know, make her strong. No, I want Jamie to be healed. Why don't we pray that way? Why don't we pray that way? Somewhere along the line, something happened since the first century. We've lost confidence. And so what happened that took Thomas from a doubter? What happened that took the disciples from being a bunch of scaredy cats and turned them into world changers? I'd like us to take a look at something. I, I like to call it a transfer of power. And if we read Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, it's kind of interesting. There's an exchange here that happens between Jesus and the disciples. And the disciples are all sitting around. They're, they're starting to get used to the fact that Jesus is alive. And, and so they asked this question. Then they gathered around him, that's Jesus, and asked him, Lord, are you going to, at this time, going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now the disciples were all Jews. 
They knew all the messianic prophecies. They knew that the Messiah was going to come. He was going to set up his kingdom. And they were accepting that Jesus was the Messiah. And so this was a natural question to ask. All right, Lord, you're going to set up your kingdom now? Now, one of the things I like about this is these guys had hung out with Jesus for three years, right? They'd been te- he'd been teaching them. They'd been learning. He'd been telling them what the plan was. And here they are. They're still asking, so now's the time you're going to set up a kingdom? This gives me comfort. See, I always think that, Jesus, or that God the Father has a permanent flat space on the front of his forehead because of me. Right? Because I ask these stupid questions and he's up there going, shouldn't you know this by now? Right? Anybody else in the house think you're adding to Jesus' flat space? <laughs> but this gives me comfort because these disciples had hung out with him all the time and they were still asking these questions. They didn't know. You know what? Our, our life with Jesus is a journey. We learn our way through it. We don't get it all right right off the bat. Okay? If you think Pastor Doug and I know everything, <laughs> think again, right? We're learning. We're learning as we go. So the disciples asked Jesus, are you going to set up your kingdom here? Lord, are you going to set up your kingdom? And I love his answer. Here's what he says. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples said, are you going to set up your kingdom? And Jesus said, no, you are. Right? You are going to. Up until this point, Jesus was doing most of the ministry. The disciples, sure, he sent them out, and they they did their thing a few times, but up until this point, it was mostly Jesus. But now Jesus was saying, Tag, you're it. You're the ones that are going to build the kingdom. And here is how it's going to happen. You will receive power. You will. There's no indication here that Jesus put any kind of parameters on this or any kind of restriction on it. He said, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were immediately infused with His power. Now, I love this word power in the original Greek. It's different than all. It actually, there's actually a cool. So it's the word dunamis. And we get the word dynamite out of dunamis. So Jesus was saying, you are going to be infused with an explosive power. A power that cannot be contained. A power that will shake the earth. So they asked Jesus, are you going to set up your kingdom? And he said, no, you are by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we see this in verses 9 through 11. I'll read it from here. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? So Jesus goes back into the heaven, and the disciples are standing there. 
And a couple. Am I still on? A couple angels show up. They say, "What are you doing? Stop staring at the sky. You got work to do. Get to it." And so it began. And that assignment has been passed down to me and to you, disciples of Jesus. And you know what? Not only the assignment is passed down, but the power and authority has been passed down. Do you realize that we have the same exact power, the same exact authority available to us that the original disciples had? We do. Okay, that's not Pastor Steve saying that. That's this saying that. That's his words, not mine. Do you believe it? Do you live your life that way? Sometimes we do, right? Sometimes we don't. As we pray for healing, as we go out into the world and walk new life with broken people, as we face giants in our own lives, doing battle with the enemy, there's a confidence that we need to have. And I love Romans chapter 8. And this is kind of a long passage, but I'm going to read it all. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul covers it all there, doesn't he? (laughs) Is there anything not listed there? We are more than conquerors. We don't have just a little power available to us. It's not just a little bit of get us by power. We aren't wimpy little worms. We aren't powerless to resist temptation. Can I tell you something? Satan cannot walk all over us. Period. He can't. Nobody, nothing can stand against us because of who is inside of us. No one can separate us from God. Jesus didn't do what he did on the cross for us to live, just get by, muddle through, mediocre, patched up, duct tape, super glued together life. Do you hear me? How many of us are living that way? When Jesus said it is finished on the cross... When he walked out of an empty tomb three days later, what he accomplished allows us to live full and abundant life now. Jesus paid a penalty we couldn't pay. He gave us a permanent victory over sin and death. 
So in Jesus' name, we can have this confidence. Where there's darkness, we bring light. Where there's brokenness, we bring wholeness. Where there's sickness, we bring healing. Where there's bondage, we bring freedom. Where there's oppression and possession, we bring deliverance. Because of Jesus in here. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're sitting here today, if you have friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers, those who have not experienced new life in Jesus Christ, there is hope. There is victory. There is restoration. There is healing. His name is Jesus. He died and He lives so that we can carry out life confidently, boldly, free. I'm going to challenge you. If you pray for somebody for healing or restoration or deliverance, I'm going to challenge you. Pray boldly. Confidently. I like what Doug said. Sometimes we we pray and it's like, well, it happens for the other person, but not me. Pray boldly. Pray boldly. Pray boldly. So I got to ask this morning have you truly experienced the power of the risen Lord? Do you live your life in the confidence of that? Doug and I'd like to give the opportunity if you have never experienced the power of the risen Lord. If you have never said, my Lord, my God, to Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. We're going to have communion together in a little bit, but that can wait for a few minutes. We'd like to pray with you. Maybe you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, but you've never committed to Him to be your Lord. And you're not living your life in that power and that authority. I'd like to give that opportunity this morning as well. So I'm going to pray. And when I'm finished praying or while I'm praying, if there's anyone who would like to come, we're going to play some music. Uh, Come, we'll pray with you, and then we'll move into communion in a few minutes. Father God, thank you for the promises that are here in your word. Thank you that we don't have to live wimpy little lives, but we can live lives as conquerors. The enemy has no claim on us because of what you did, Jesus. In confidence, we can pray for healing. Thank you, Lord, for that confidence. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that the hearts that you're knocking on, that you would knock a little harder. You would tug a little harder. Holy Spirit, move in this place right now. Have freedom. 
Move in hearts. Move in hearts. The enemy has no place here. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. If you'd like to pray, come. Why don't you all stand up? It'll be easier if someone wants to come.